Talent Talk Tuesdays is all about harnessing your God-given talents to live with greater clarity, purpose, and joy. You are wonderfully made, my friends. May all we do be for God's glory. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today on Talent Talk Tuesdays, I'll be discussing part five of this 10-part series based on my free ebook, 10 Ways Your Talents Can Transform Your Life. Last week in episode 35, I talked about having a greater intimacy with God by discovering natural pathways for encountering Him in your design. And today I'm talking about a fifth way your talents can transform your life by helping you experience much greater acceptance of yourself and others. This can be incredibly challenging, and I'll explain why in just a moment, but I'll also tell you how to turn the tables on this challenge very quickly so you can live with a whole lot more freedom from resentments and insecurities in your most important relationships. As I've mentioned before on this show, I'm a third-order Carmelite, and one of my favorite saints is St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, whose spirituality of the smile Great simplicity and radical trust in God earned her the title of Doctor of the Church. Therese went from being a very uptight and overscrupulous young nun to having an ease and delight in the Lord that she wrote about in her memoir and which transformed countless people's relationships with God. And part of that change in St. Therese was a new self-acceptance as a humble daisy in God's garden, while still appreciating the grandeur of the roses and lilies, the great saints that she admired. Great metaphor. Well, this beautiful little flower once said that she believed that the best parts of any person are the truest parts because they are of God. Think about that. The best parts are the truest parts because they are of God. They're reflections of the presence of God in that person. So she's not saying there's no truth to the faults that you see in others or their sins or in ourselves. Of course, serious faults we really need to focus on and correct them without delay. That can be soul-killing to carry those around. But in the day-to-day, typically it's not serious faults that cause most of our troubles. It's the nagging, annoying ones that can cause deal-breaking resentments. So St. Therese, in the midst of all the different personalities in the convent where she lived, some, you know, there were a lot of tough characters in there, believe it or not, but she focused on the best in people in her life. And that's much harder than it sounds, but do you want to know what happens when you do that? Remember Matthew 7, verse 7, seek and you shall find? By looking for the best in others, we start to see more and more of the good in the other person. We seek it and we find it. And because those best parts are of God, you are in effect gazing with love at the presence of God in that person. Of course, we might need help to see those good parts, and I'll say more about that in just a minute. But meanwhile, our spiritual enemy, the devil, also known as the accuser, wants us to harp and obsess on each other's faults or perceived faults. And that's important. Think about that for a moment. To the point where we drive ourselves and each other to despair. That's always his end game. So St. Therese focused on the best parts. And here's a quote from her memoir, Story of a Soul, that takes us even deeper. She says this, It is the Lord, it is Jesus, who is my judge. Therefore, I will try always to think leniently of others, that he may judge me leniently, or rather not at all, since he says, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. So in that light of this attitude of gentleness and mercy, 
I'd like to share paragraph five of my ebook, which gives an overview of what can be revealed and transformed through acceptance of self and others through an awareness of our natural talents. Here we go. As it becomes clear that there are good and holy reasons for your natural tendencies, capabilities, needs, and even your weaknesses, you will begin to see others in a whole new light. You will find it easier to accept them as they are with appreciation, compassion, and curiosity. You'll observe their natural giftings played out in what makes them laugh and cry, the work they do, the ways they relax, and how they approach their spiritual lives. That's the end of the quote. But doesn't that sound heavenly? Way less misunderstandings, more real communion of hearts and minds, more mutual appreciation, more love. And yet without knowing each other's natural talents and ways of being and seeing and experiencing and expressing, we're hobbled. Honestly, without knowing it, we are blind to some degree and we act like it. We flail around trying to make sense of what we see in the other person, not understanding, and sometimes I've been there, making accusations that aren't true. I think most of you listening will find this familiar. Have you ever heard yourself say about someone close to you, she just doesn't want to understand, or he's just playing dumb to avoid admitting that he's wrong, or that's the most obvious thing in the world. No way does he not see that I'm right. <laughs> I've said and done all of those, by the way. But far from our true intentions and deepest desires, we can really end up hurting each other. And the powerful and unique lenses through which each of us sees and processes information and experience the world can actually be a big part of the confusion. We're like looking through really different lenses. And we keep assuming that our lenses are all alike. It's perfectly natural, actually, to assume that everyone else can see and understand what you can or what I can. We just, we just naturally think that the whole world sees what is self-evident to us. Why? Because it's so natural to us to see and hear and experience what we do, to know what we know. And it's so natural that we assume it's natural for everyone else. Mm -mm. But if we believe that, and they don't seem to be cooperating and seeing and understanding the things that matter to us at any given moment, it really hurts. But the truth is, we often misread the situation. And then we're living and working together with festering resentments that would be completely resolved if we just had more information about each other. But here's the good news. I want to share the flip side of this common dynamic and share what's possible with a little information about each other. In the introduction to my favorite marriage resource, which I recommend all the time, it's called Strengths-Based Marriage, and it's by Jimmy Evans and Alan Kelsey. The authors tell a very moving true story of a man who has suddenly given eyes to see something remarkable and tragic about his marriage. At his wife's urging, they've both been working with a Clifton Strengths coach for some time, and in his private work one day with their coach, the husband learns more about the fact that his wife is extremely high in empathy, a strength that makes her deeply intuitive, emotionally intelligent, and powerful in creating and sustaining intimate relationships. 
And because he was extremely low in the empathy talent and blind to that fact for the first 10 years of their marriage, he gasped in shock when he realized that by not seeing or affirming her empathetic gifts all those years, he had effectively been telling her, I don't see you. This new vision of the emotional desert that his wife had endured for 10 years was devastating to him. So he immediately set out to change things. With tears in his eyes, he called her in the middle of the workday and asked if she would meet him, which scared her. He'd never done anything like that before. Had he lost his job? Was he sick? But they met soon afterwards and sat on a bench outside a shopping center where he took her hands in his and told her what he had just learned. And then as she cried in relief and joy, he held her in his arms. He skipped work for the rest of the day and spent it doting on his wife, listening to her holding hands, bought her a new dress. And in that awakening, their relationship was reborn and rebuilt from the powerful foundation of recognizing and supporting his wife's true nature. He committed to affirming her unique beauty of heart and spirit every day from then on. And their marriage has been transformed. Great true story. So let's review what we've talked about today. Number one, understanding your own gifts leads to a joyful acceptance of God's design of your own authentic being. Number two, self-acceptance creates a strong foundation for seeing and affirming the uniqueness of others. Number three, when we understand that our differences are part of God's design, those differences no longer offend us or create misunderstandings. Number four, those very differences can become powerful places of dynamic collaboration and mutual appreciation. So let's close with a word from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's do that. And this week, if you're game for some easy homework, I'd like you to listen to at least one of the love story episodes I did earlier this year. They're quite short, so you might want to binge them. Those are episodes six through nine, six, seven, eight, and nine. Enjoy them and let me know what you're learning. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at lisa at wonderfullymade139.com. Remember, you're wonderfully made, my friends. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me too. God bless you. Thank you.